Hello, and welcome to the Queen Trail podcast. Queen Trail, a woman who emphasizes a life of passion expressed through personal style, leisurely pastimes, charm, and a cultivation of life's pleasures. I am Syl Annan, and I invite you to join me in exploring and savoring life's riches and the beauty that surrounds us. In the company of friends, we can laugh, discover, appreciate, and support each other. So I hope that you will join me where I will talk about everything that makes up the rich and diverse fabric of a delightful life. Let's cultivate vibrant conversation together. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope that the first week of 2022 treated you well. I am feeling very much like the day after the party, you know, when you're walking around and the house is trashed and you're not feeling good and there is an enormous mess. I'm feeling like that mess right now. It's kind of like that letdown, right? After you had this buildup for Christmas, for New Year's, um, trying to get together with your friends and family. And I've been really super sick. So um, as you can hear, I am feeling better, but I've been really super sick. And here I am feeling kind of a little bit like a wreck. And like, if this doesn't tell it all, there's this cross that was in pieces just sitting on my desk. And Sophie walks in and sees it sandwiched in between the desk and one of those heavy tape holders. Like I'd been battling vampires last night or something, but thankfully it is and back in one piece and it's back on the wall, ready to do battle in the future at some point. So vampires beware. I ought to give it a name, you know, like in Lord of the Rings, you know, how like all the weapons had names. I don't know what I would name this cross, but anyway, it is back on the wall. But I'm kind of mixing genres here anyway, right? Like vampires and Lord of the Rings. I mean, I guess they're both fantasies. But at the same time, I'm kind of letting the nerd in me out. So yeah, that's a big part of me. But back to Sophie. She comes into the office where I do my recordings. And she says, Mom, why is this cross sitting here? So ages ago, my former mother-in-law and I just decided to go and hit a bunch of estate sales, you know, just to have fun on the weekend, because you never know what you're going to find. And actually, I have this story that I'll share at another time, because it's going to be long. But um, I was looking for I was fixing up my backyard a couple of years ago, and I had this bee house that needed to go on a table. And of course, it was a table that was going to be sitting outside. So I just thought I'll go to garage sales or estate sales, and maybe I'll just find a little table that I can use. And I ended up finding something completely unexpected. It was this beaded basket that just kind of called to me. And when I tell you the story, you're going to be so shocked. It ended up being priceless compared to what I paid for it. It's one of those stories. So I can't wait to share that with you. But I'm going to get back (laughs) to the day I found that cross. So we ended up at this enormous home that I think was being sold. And this, there was this ornate wooden cross that I just kind of fell in love with. And the funny thing is that the guy that owned the place comes around the corner and he sees the cross in my hand and he says, oh, 
You're taking the family treasure that's been in the family for five generations, our Russian cross. And that just made me love it that much more. It's just, it's really pretty. I mean, it's probably a little plain compared to a lot of other crosses that are out there. And I'm not even religious, but I just, I really liked this cross. And so that top piece separated and fell off sometime during one of the three years of 2021. Probably some ominous prophecy that that year was not going to bode well. Um, And it's just kind of been sitting there waiting to get fixed. So that finally happened last night. But the cool thing about it is that piece, I was looking at it and there's writing on the back of that ornate piece, like measurements. And it's very fine script. And I just love finding stuff like that. It's like a treasure, even though I, I don't know if that makes it worth anymore, but at least I know that it was handmade and um, and that's just kind of cool. So that is hidden again. I put the cross back together and it is back on the wall where it belongs. Um, the other thing, the other reason why I'm feeling like the after party after New Year's is I got gels. I don't usually put nail polish on my nails And I used to, when I was younger, I used to get acrylics. Eventually, I got really sporty. I got, um, as I said, I I was a former fitness nutrition coach. I got into body sculpting and working out and going on hikes and just really, really immersed myself into outdoors activities. I also am a writer, just typing all the time. That nail polish was coming off left and right. And One of the worst things is when you have nail polish on your nails and it just smears across the paper that you just printed. So you've got that red streak going across there or whatever color nail polish you have. And sometimes you can erase it, but a lot of times you just have to reprint again and that's always a pain. So I gave up on that. And, you know, just being outdoors, the nail polish wasn't lasting very long. And another thing that nail ladies have told me in the salons is that I have oily nails. And so the nail polish doesn't last. Anyway, long story short, I got gels. I think it was before Thanksgiving. And my nails grow very quickly. And then one of the nails after, you know, a month and a half broke very low on my nail bed. So off that went and then I decided I was going to trim all of the nails, but of course the gel doesn't come off. So there's maybe half an inch on every single one of my nails that is gel. And last night I started picking at it. So I've got four nails on one hand and one nail on my other hand that are mostly cleared of the gel, but they all have a little borderline on there. So um, yeah, so they're not looking very good. And then the other thing is that I am sick. So I went to the doctor and he told me, you know, it's not COVID, but it's this viral infection with a secondary bacterial infection. And he ordered um, prescription medications, including this like prednisone six day pack where you take six pills one day, five the next for 
three, two, one. So you titrate it down. And then he asked me to pick up a variety of vitamins and minerals and take them in, I think, fairly high doses. Um, like the vitamin C was 5,000 milligrams per day. And again, having a background in nutrition, I know that vitamin C is water soluble. So that's kind of one of those vitamins that in my opinion, I'm going to just say in my opinion, because I'm not recommending anything to anybody. Um, but my understanding is that that is one of the vitamins that is water soluble. And so you really aren't going to OD on it like your body as you drink water throughout the day, it's just gonna go. So it's it's one of those where you're wasting your money if you're putting a lot of it if you're putting too much of it in your body that you don't need when you're not sick. So anyway, I could not find any pills at the store. I couldn't find any 5,000 milligram pills at the health food store. And they seem to be pretty cleaned out. And it just kind of reminds me a little bit of the beginning of the pandemic when you would race into the you know pharmacy or wherever you were going trying to get whatever supplements or medication, over-the-counter medication or whatever it was that you needed and the shelves were cleared out, you know, remember when there was like, no Lysol wipes, there was no hand sanitizer, you couldn't get any of the flu and cough medications or any of the OTC allergy meds. So I could not find the vitamin C in anything other than powder form. And if you've never taken powder form, or if you have, <laughs> you're probably maybe laughing right now. I have taken powder form before. Usually I'll throw it in some juice and I also have been diagnosed with hypothyroidism. So I take a thyroid pill every day. So you can just imagine the first day on this protocol, I was standing in there just looking at a mountain of pills and white powder. <laughs> it sounds like really bad, but that's what was on my counter. And so I threw the, the white powder being the vitamin C into a cup with a little bit of cranberry juice, which was probably a mistake, but cranberry juice is very high in vitamin C and I get the 100% cranberry juice that doesn't have sugar in it. So it already is pretty tart. And I decided to throw a little bit of mineral water on top of there, which again, was probably not the best idea because these crystals, let me tell you, I made a little shot, bottoms up it went, and it was like my whole entire body just started sizzling from the citric acid. It was so intense. It was like this vortex, I was going to implode and just kind of disappear, you know, like when you have wasabi, it's usually more of like an explosion out. At least that's how it feels to me. Like, you know, if I have too much wasabi, it feels like my head's going to just blow off of my shoulders. Like everything's just going outward. With the vitamin C, it was like everything was just going inward. And I had to recover from that. <laughs> So that was before my coffee and I stomped around a little bit and I made all of those cave woman noises that you do when you have something that just overwhelms your senses like that. And then I went and I sat on the couch for probably five or 10 minutes just 
letting my my soul that had just been whisked into this black hole return and fill the space of my body back up. It was pretty intense. So um, what I've been doing lately is just nixing the carbonation and of course, nixing the cranberry juice. And I just, I, I'm still making the shots because I just want to get it over with. I probably should spread it throughout the day after my um, little talk that I just had, where if you put too much vitamin C in your body, you're just going to go and, and and urinate it out when you go to the bathroom. So um, I probably should do like a thousand milligrams and, and not have such an extreme experience with the 5,000 milligrams, but it's still working. It's definitely making me feel a lot more alive for longer periods of time. I'm feeling better. I was maybe getting up for an hour or two and then having to take these long naps. I was so exhausted. And like I said, it wasn't COVID, but I guess there's something going around. So um, yeah, you know, if you're not feeling well, make sure that when you get tested, because you want to make sure that it's not COVID. So uh, you can either be treated properly, or of course, you're not spreading it to anybody else. And if it's not COVID, then you can get treated appropriately for that as well. But it's made a difference taking the medicine. So I definitely was sick and feeling better now. So yeah, the other thing is, you know, when you're not feeling well like that, and you know, life just kind of knocks you on your ass. I always say that that's like the thing with illnesses, right? Like you go and you go, you go, at least that's what happens to me. Like I will push myself and then I think that I'll be able to relax on such and such day, right? Resting's overrated type of thing. And then I get to that rest day and like clockwork every single time I get sick. And then I'm on my butt for the time that I'm supposed to be having fun instead or, you know, just relaxing or whatever, finally twiddling my thumbs. So this entire time, I haven't been able to do anything. So today I thought, what's today? Saturday. I thought, you know, let me go and get my shopping done. Oh, okay. I know I jump around a lot. I've got a lot of thoughts in my mind, but this does have to do with shopping. I know I'm totally behind the times here, but I got myself one of those Echoes and we set it up, which was kind of funny because I had it recognize my voice. And then Sophie goes to try to have it recognize her voice. And for like 20 minutes, it would not take her voice. It just kept saying, I already recognize your voice, you're still. And I never realized how much Sophie and I sounded like each other until that happened. I hear my sister's voice Sometimes when I'm listening to my recordings again, I definitely hear her in there, but I've never heard Sophie. So that was kind of interesting. But anyway, I haven't had Alexa. I I have a Fire TV. I just haven't downloaded it. You know, you hear all of those stories. There goes my phone. Um, You hear all of those stories about how it's listening and, you know, like people are able to peep into other people's rooms or, you know, conversations getting recorded, all of that kind of stuff. And we got a system that requires Alexa and I've just been resisting it, but I finally got it and now I love it. So every time I run out of something, which was all week long, of course, 
um, I would just yell across the house, Alexa, add bread to the shopping list. Oh, God, she just added the... (laughs) I don't know if you heard that, but she just added the bread to the shopping list because I didn't close the door while I'm recording. Um, So that's so convenient, you know? It's like you run out of toothpaste, you run out of eggs, you run out of coffee, God forbid, uh, whatever, and you've got this handy, rosy robot, like from the Jetsons, right, in a box in your living room or wherever it is that you have Alexa, and she's listening. You know, it did come with a little postcard that said that you actually have to say her name, which I'm not going to do again, because she'll respond. And also, you can turn her off. So uh, she's not in listening mode and the camera is turned off and we also have a little tab in front of that camera, which is advisable really for any, whether it's your computer, anything that's got a camera, just put a little tab over it. You know, they they make them so that you put them on there and you can pull them off whenever you're going to use it. I think that just um, adds another level of safety and <clears throat> I'll go on. You can hear, I still have this stupid cold. So I'm sorry if I'm clearing my throat throughout. I'm going to, you know, try not to or maybe edit that out if I can later on. But, um, you know, I'll go on my Facebook or Instagram or Google account news section and the ads are coming through hard and heavy for stuff that I'm doing recently. Like I put in Okay, we had like a 10 pound bag of potatoes. I know I'm talking a lot today. I actually was going to get to some questions. And if I have time to, I will. But I I just wanted to tell you about this dumb thing that we do. Um, I had this 10 pound bag of potatoes that was left over from the holidays. And normally, I'll read some story about some place where, you know, like maybe in the Midwest or something where people have those cellars that they can go into and that's where they store everything and they call it a larder. I have never met anybody who's got a larder. So if you have one, please tell me about it. But I was always under the impression that as long as you put potatoes and root vegetables, onions, stuff like that, in a dark, cool place, they'll keep for like a really long time, right? Well, that doesn't happen around here. I And I don't know if it's that the potatoes that you get in bags at the grocery store have been sitting around for a little while, you know, because the bags are brown, the potatoes are brown, you can't, they're usually plastic with little holes, so you really can't see what you're going to get. I usually try to get something that's not on top because the bags that are on top usually have gotten enough light. Those potatoes generally are turning that green color that is not good for you. No bueno, do not eat green potatoes. So I usually get one that's like a layer down, but maybe they're already not the freshest potatoes because you're not getting them directly from a farm. And and I think that they do kind of sit around for a while at the grocery store, but I have never been able to keep potatoes for a really long time. So um, here's the thing that started the whole potato saga. I live on a street with great neighbors that have been here for a really long time. So we've sort of formed a second family. And we all know each other. So one of the neighbors went fishing and had excess bluefin tuna. I mean, go figure, right? Because I would be like eating that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for, you know, days. I mean, that stuff is so good. 
And I'm lucky enough that I live near a harbor where I know fishermen who who just randomly show up on my doorstep going, hey, would you like, you know, five pounds of whatever? Would you like crab legs? That happened one time. And another time, my neighbor showed up with like this big old giant disc of yellow uh, tail, I think is what it was. And anyway, it was it was tuna as well. So these were already these bluefin tunas, I'm back to the bluefin tuna, um, were already vacuum packed into these nice little packages. And he went over to one of the neighbor's homes and offered her some tuna. She said, sure, I'll take it. And then like, you know, he was like, okay, because, you know, all of our neighbors are super nice. And then she looked in there and she goes, wow, this is a lot of tuna. Like, I think he meant, do you want some and not all of them? So she texted me and she's like, hey, do you and Sophie want some bluefin tuna? I'm like, are you kidding? Let me get my shoes on. I'm coming over to grab some. So she actually came over and I am one of those people that feels like no matter what it is that you're preparing, whether it's, you know, vegetable produce, whether it's fish, steak, chicken, you really need to honor the product by preparing it as simply as possible to showcase the flavor of it. So one of my favorite ways of preparing, there's two ways that I I guess I have two favorite ways of preparing bluefin tuna or fresh tuna that's just like right out of the ocean, which is to make it into sashimi and serve it with, you know, white rice with furikake and, and rice wine vinegar on it and maybe like a side of broccoli. Um, roasted or steamed or something, you know, a super, I mean, that's like really easy. And, you know, if you have the pickled ginger and you have a little bit of wasabi, uh, that's just bomb. I mean, I can just have that all the time. And then the other way that I like to prepare it, which is what I did with this, was make sure that it's dry. So, you know, get a couple of paper towels, dry it, and then just do salt, fresh cracked pepper, and pan sear it so that it is rare and it's just seared on the outside and it's heavenly. It's so good. So we did that and then we decided that we wanted to have mashed potatoes with it. So in comes the 10 pound bag of potatoes here was left over from the holidays. So Sophie starts to pull potatoes out and they're already putting their little feelers out. You know, even though they've been in a dark, cool place, it's like, oh, it might be springtime out there. So they they weren't growing, but they were starting to, you know, like move in that direction. And she goes, should I just make the whole bag? I'm like, there's only two of us. We can't eat 10 pounds of potatoes. We do this all the time. We let the food that's in the house dictate what we're going to eat. And I think that's a great way of making food. So you have less waste and you tend to use everything up. So we decided to make hash browns because we could freeze them. And we start peeling the potatoes and... I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm feeling like I'm in the army, you know, (laughs) like punishment in the army. And you watch those movies, you watch the cartoons. Um, Sophie said Treasure Planet, one of the guys got, you know, was was relegated to the kitchen and had to peel potatoes for everybody. And I never really thought about it until 
and I guess you wouldn't, you know, until I had 10 pounds of potatoes to peel, which is really doesn't seem like a lot in the grand scheme of things. But the tedium involved the amount of work there. It <laughs> it was it was quite a bit. We made some mashed potatoes. Then we made a bunch of hash browns for the freezer. So that's a whole other recipe that you have to make. You you peel them, dice them up, you rinse all the starch off of them, you saute them in oil with salt, and then we had to do it in batches because there's so many potatoes. And then those go in a bowl with cornstarch. And you saute them just until they they you can mush them. Not until they're mushy, but until, you know, you can flatten them with a fork. Then we got these little rings that are meant for the top of our magic bullet. They're supposed to convert the blender cup into a drinkable cup. And I've been utilizing them to make patties for the freezer, like perfectly sized ones. So we jammed those potatoes in there. I think we ended up with like 25 hash browns for the first batch. You put them on a flat tray. You want them to be in a single layer freeze them for about an hour, and then you can take them off of the tray and consolidate them to take up less space in the freezer. We normally put them into an airtight container and just put wax paper or parchment paper in between each one of the layers, but you can also put them in freezer-proof bags. Then we had probably another half a tray that we froze, but that was still not all of the potatoes. We still had like a ton of potatoes that we needed to cook. Sophie made like these potato puffs that you can put in the air fryer. They're small little puffs. They look kind of like tater tots. So those went into the freezer. And then I've got a cup sitting there to make cinnamon rolls. So we, it's like we got to use all this stuff up and we got to use every little bit of it. I mean, when we have something like that, we just literally go ham. We're complete savages about getting a million dishes cooked and the freezer stocked with whatever there is. I mean, we're going to have hash browns forever. And then because we have that air fryer and I was looking at all these peels, normally when I make mashed potatoes, I don't peel them. The, all the nutrients are in the in the potato skin. And so just like everything goes in there, except for there are a couple where I'm looking at them and I'm like, these look like they were dug up from the La Brea tar pits, you know, like some throwback from the Ice Age era or something. I mean, they were straight up black. So those skins had to come off underneath. They were fine. But normally, I just leave it on there and make chunk mashed potatoes with the skin on them and they're delicious. So I'm not used to seeing this many skins and I didn't want them all to go to waste. So I threw oil on them, a little bit of salt, threw them in the air fryer and they made phenomenal chips. Just really, really good potato chips. So yeah, all of the potatoes are used up and uh, we have the hash browns, we have leftover mashed potatoes with the skins on them, uh, the potato puffs and we are soon going to have cinnamon rolls made with a potato-based dough. So this is the way that I come out of a full week of being sick, right? Just going full bore in the kitchen. And of course, we don't have all of the ingredients that we need for all of these recipes that we decided to work on. 
So I decided to go to the store, forgetting that the car was practically on empty. So now my trip's just a little bit longer. I need to stop at the gas station. I ended up having to go to two different stores and I still didn't get one item, but that's for a future recipe that has nothing to do with potatoes. But then Sophie had to go to work and I get home and I'm dragging all of these groceries up because, you know, you go to the market and you think you're just going to get two things, but instead you come home with like half of the store in your arms. I walk in and my cats have just torn up the entire house. I have two cats and I love them very much, even when they tear up the house. Um, but one of them is a little scarfer and barfer. And that is exactly what she did. I'm like trying to take these grocery bags into the kitchen, still, you know, sniffling and coughing and all of that, even though I'm feeling better. And you have to walk through the dining room and there's this big mess on the floor. So I go and I clean that up. And then I start putting the groceries away. And I had gotten some stuff for the bathroom. So I'm walking down the hallway There's another big disaster there for me. And I'm just like, truly, there is no rest for the wicked. I I don't even think I'm that bad. (laughs) Anyway, I'm already feeling kind of exhausted. And I've got these cinnamon rolls that I still need to make. But I'm going to go ahead and just go to one of the questions here. If I've got time, I will do another one. Let's see. Um, You have an ostrich in your logo. What is the meaning of the ostrich? That is a great question. I've always just had an affinity for ostriches. They're just so beautiful to me. And there's something about those elegant fans of black and white feathers, like when they flap them, that just reminds me of Vegas showgirls, or ballerinas. There's probably some cartoon I saw when I was a kid with an ostrich dancing around like a ballerina. And they have those super long eyelashes. I know that's another thing. So I'm sure a lot of it came from when I was a kid, just being charmed by these images of ostriches. But I just think they're gorgeous. They're so tall and graceful. And they've got those really long eyelashes around these huge expressive eyes. You know, they actually have the biggest eyes of any animal in the animal kingdom. And they also have like this understated power, right? You know, I mentioned this dancing ability, you know, they're very fast, and really graceful on their legs. And so they have very powerful legs. If a predator comes up to them, they can just with a single kick, take that predator out. But most of the time, you wouldn't even know it, because they're just walking around serenely. They're generally peaceful birds otherwise, and they just kind of, it just seems like they kind of keep that superpower under wraps. So um, yeah, I just, I just think they're, they're gorgeous. Um, As far as animal spirit, I'm going to start with the ostrich's superpower. The ostrich is incredibly powerful, but that power is wrapped in in humility. And that teaches us not to be boastful of our own power, our own achievements, um, that even though this ostrich can kill its opponent with one kick, 
It chooses to to live with humility serenely. It knows that it's capable of greatness and it is not diminished by not being confrontational. And I think it's such a great gift to have an animal that symbolizes this kind of peacefulness. Another feature of that superpower of, of having the ability to kill a predator, but choosing not to become the predator, is that it teaches us to be quiet, to learn how to function within a quietude that leads to better thinking and greater wisdom. Um, The ostrich promotes kindness and empathy. So, you know, even if you can eviscerate somebody, it doesn't mean that you should. And that is one of the things that the ostrich represents. Ostriches represent some really great things. And of course, they also represent some bad things like sticking their heads in the ground, which, by the way, is a complete misnomer. They do not stick their heads in the ground. What ostriches do is if they feel that they're in danger of a predator, they lay down. They're indigenous to Africa. So usually the predators are going to be a wild cat and wild cats, all cats see the world in black and white. They're they're grayscales. So their vision is not super clear. They just see shapes. And when the ostrich lays down, It kind of looks like a boulder and it has the ability of stretching its neck out along the ground. So with its ear against the ground, it can kind of feel vibrations of how close this predator is coming to them. And sometimes they do succeed in convincing a lion or whatever that wild cat is to go look somewhere else because there's nothing there other than a boulder. I just wanted to get that out there, but they do represent like grounded power because of their their legs being on the ground. They are flightless birds. And I'm going to go back and forth between this legend, this myth of ostriches and some hard science facts. So ostriches don't fly. And this is why they represent this grounded power. They have very strong legs. And they're one of the birds that when the, when the dinosaurs were wiped out, they left this big space evolutionarily wise for other species to kind of fill in the gap. And so some birds actually lost what is called an ore bone. And that is in the middle of their breast that their wing muscles attach to. And that allows a bird to fly it. It, it gives them the stability and the strength for them to flap their wings. Well, ostriches and kiwis and emus and a few other birds lost that bone. And so they are flightless, I guess, you know, penguins as well. And they ended up becoming larger birds. The crazy thing is, speaking of kiwis, so ostriches lay the biggest eggs of any animal on the planet. And if you take a look at an ostrich and a kiwi next to each other, like kiwis are tiny, they lay literally like the second biggest egg. They're almost as big as an ostrich egg. I don't even understand how this works. But anyway, there's a little bit more of my nerdy trivia. And because while we're talking about the eggs, because they do lay the largest eggs of all the animals, they also represent fertility. And that could be, you know, fertility in the sense of having many children, but it also represents fertility of ideas, fertility of 
money. So, you know, they represent wealth, they represent abundance, they represent life um, and prosperity. That fertility could be the fertility of anything that is going to positively benefit you in life. And I mean, who doesn't want that, right? So ostriches are just magical. They also are a reminder to cleanse your world of negativity, whether that's internal negativity, you know, like that serenity that they have about them um, encourages you to take the time and explore if, you know, if there's things that are bothering you, if there's things that are making you crabby, making you behave um, in ways that perhaps you wouldn't be proud of, or ways that, you know, bother you that are keeping you from moving forward in life, you know, explore those things and find the genesis to them so that you could work through them. You know, um, a lot of times when there's negativity within us, it comes from unresolved issues. You know, we're never going to be able to go back and change what led us to that or what set of actions caused that negativity. But at least we, if we can understand it, we can work through it. We can accept what we need to accept, discard what we don't uh, need to have in our lives so that we can progress and move forward. And so ostriches represent that reminder to keep your internal thoughts cleansed so that you bring more positivity into your life and also to cleanse yourself of any negative external factors, all of that drama that you don't need in life. So um, I don't want to get too, too deep into that because that was a little bit deep. But yeah, so that's what they represent. I think we, we need to be reminded of that to take inventory of who we have in our lives, but also the thoughts that we have in our minds and mold as much of that as we can into positivity so that we can live our best lives. The other thing is, as I mentioned, ostriches are very fast. And spiritually, that speed represents that they replenish their energy through running, through activity, is such great role modeling for what we need to be doing in our lives, which is to stay active. Just a reminder that, you know, when you're feeling tired, not sick, but just, you know, like I have no energy, I should be doing something. And, you know, instead you're sitting and maybe not leading your most healthy lifestyle at that moment. You know, a quick walk. A lot of times that is what will replenish your energy. It's just crazy. So um, some really good things about ostriches. The other thing that I really like is ostriches live in a matriarchal society, which means that the females lead and make all of the decisions. So that results in some really cool things. If I can find, there's a BBC video of ostrich courting moment. And it's it's so charming and elegant and just a reminder that chivalry is still out there because the, the male is so respectful of the female. And the female is very powerful in that moment. I mean, she demands not just respect, but knowing that this male is worthy 
of taking the courtship to its final fulfillment. So if I find that, I will put it up on the site. So because they are a matriarchally led society, ostriches represent feminine empowerment. The other cool thing that I didn't really realize, I mean, I know ostriches are indigenous to Africa. And so the other animal that's, and there's a lot of them, but the other animal that's indigenous to Africa too, that is spoken of frequently is the lion. And the lion is the king of the jungle. Well, because the ostrich is the biggest bird and she's indigenous to Africa, she is considered the queen of the jungle. And so spiritually, she reigns alongside the lion, um, which I think is really cool. So I can keep going about ostriches all day long. I just think they're interesting. They're fascinating. They have a lot of good attributes associated with them. And I found... <clears throat> what? Yeah, you have a lot of good attributes associated with you too. <laughs> That's my cat Echo letting us know that she is a very important cat and that she is. So I found this site that is talking about, it was almost like a horoscope. It was talking about what the characteristics of a person who has an affinity to ostriches. I'm trying to um, talk to you guys and Echo is just kind of like walking across my shoulders, sitting on my lap, walking across the keyboard, being ridiculously cute. Um, and so anyway, this was almost like a like a horoscope type thing. Like if you like ostriches, here's your personality. And they kind of pegged me. So I'm going to leave that for a future episode. I'm going to go down them and talk a little bit about each one of these attributes and how, yes, I, and there's some negative ones in there for sure. And I was like, yeah, that's me too. You know, I mean, you might as well own it if you know that that's part of you. So I think also I'm probably going to end with this question because I have been talking a lot today. It's just a lot to talk about. But yeah, anyway, that was kind of a long-winded explanation about why the ostrich is in my logo, but I just love them. Um, and I think I'm going to save the rest of the questions. They're starting to trickle in. So maybe, you know, like I can do a whole entire episode with a bunch of questions and I do try to respond to people when you send me questions. So because it might be a little while before I actually answer them here on the program. But um, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to go and make my cinnamon rolls now. And if they turn out well, I will post that on my social media pages. Also, I'll post all of the potato stuff on there, the cats, anything else that I've talked about. And hopefully the next time that I'm talking, my voice will be a little bit less scratchy than it is right now. Oh, and if I have any noteworthy bloopers, I'm going to start adding them at the end of the end credits right afterwards, like I've done on previous episodes where I put a little clip there at the end or a friend's song at the end. Um, I think that that would be really funny. Like today, I have been trying to talk while they're doing construction next door. 
And you would think that this was like an Indiana Jones level excavation going on there with all of the yelling and screaming. And it's pretty funny. I It's not upsetting to me at all, but it's pretty funny. And I have to put that out there because one time I was trying to be really comical about the level of noise another neighbor's construction project was making. And I literally find this stuff hysterical, which is the only reason that I comment on it. The The neighbor, unfortunately, did not find it funny and thought that I was very upset and came over and apologized. And I was like, no, it was being I was trying to be funny. It was it was comical. And um, which, you know, then just totally ruined this whole sense of humor from it. So, um, yeah, this is very funny. I just keep thinking of Indy and the guy in Egypt having this big conversation about how they're going to go down there and find the next arc. So, um, yeah, when I get these bloopers, I'm going to just put them at the end. I think that you guys will enjoy them and I'll have a good laugh. So yeah, you know, keep writing me, send me your questions, suggestions, if there's that subject that you want me to uh, talk about on an upcoming episode, anything that I talked about, anything that I haven't talked about. I mean, there's always something to talk about, right? So I look forward to that. Make sure that you follow me at the Queen Trail Podcast on the dot com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the same name, the Queen Trail Podcast, which is T H E Q U A I N T R E double L E Podcast. Until next time, I am Sil Annan, the Queen Trail. And I wish you passion, grace, elegance, and beauty that are around them. I am out of breath for some reason. Yard, and I had this bee house. God damn it. Because, you know, you never know what you're going to find. Sometimes there's... And what great world modeling, well, I don't know what my tongue is doing.